Hey, sis. Welcome to this week's episode of Grown Woman Stuff with me, Julie Jones. We are doing the holiday series. I'm so excited because tis the season for fun, festivities, laughter, creating memories. But what's dubbed as happy holidays ain't so happy for everybody. For some, it's a period of grief, remembering the life of a loved one who's gone. Whether the loss is fresh or in times past, you know, this time of year when the focus is on family and friends, when those people we love are missing, it has an impact. Then there's the heartbreak, maybe a relationship that's ended, health issues, job loss. Oh, girl, there's so many things that can impact our happy during the happy holidays. And something else many wrestle with, family drama. Ooh, child, the fights that start every year when Uncle Tony finishes his last bit of brown liquor, the in-law who irks your soul, or if your family really wilds out and starts throwing them hands, how do we navigate the holidays dealing with grief, heartbreak, and family drama? Enter in coach and counselor, Dacia Moore, the executive director at Gateway of Hope Ministries. She helps everyday people, especially women, navigate and strategize through life's obstacles, including relationships, setting personal boundaries, building confidence, and more. So before you head to your family's house this Thursday and you try to get prayed up for all the best, lead into this conversation on navigating grief, heartbreak, and family drama during the holidays with counselor, coach, Dacia Moore, on this episode of Grown Woman Stuff with me, Julie Jones. Hello, Miss Julie Jones. How are you? I am wonderful. So glad to have you with me, my friend, for this episode of Grown Woman Stuff with Julie Jones and Dacia Moore, full grown woman, executive director at Gateway of Hope Ministries, former president CEO at Second Wind Counseling and Consulting. I met you years ago at Sheffield, sis, when you was doing your counseling thing. How you been? I have been well. I have been well, super busy. I see. As you know, yes, ma'am. Super busy, but it's a, that's a good thing. Yes, it is. It is great <laughs> to be needed. Now, first of all, uh, it's been a while since we talked. We haven't got to discuss uh, Gateway of Hope Ministries. I want to talk to you about that. Share more about how that came to be and what the ministry does, especially because I love anything that helps women. Sure, sure. Well, Gateway of Hope was started in 2006 by two women, Dory Tompkins and Deborah Simon. And they wanted it to be a special place that works exclusively with women who have been hurt or um, have had some kind of uh, struggle. And so we deal with women who have all kinds of struggle, not just domestic violence or anything like that. But um, they started this ministry. It's a nonprofit located in Olathe. We serve women in the greater Kansas City area. And it is uh, for uh, women. Our mission statement is we lead women to discover Mm. hope, pursue healing, and live in wholeness through counseling, coaching, and support groups. So I have been here about six years since 2015 as the executive director to grow the organization. Mm -hmm. And so I am just super glad to be on your show, uh, Grown Women's Stuff, because that's (laughs) what we do at Gateway of Hope. We talk about grown women. We help grown women do their stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. And I love the fact that you've always been about coaching and counseling and helping uh, women to get to a better place. But one question I've never asked you, Dacia, after all these years, is how you decided to actually go into this field of counseling and therapy and coaching women. Well, um, it is through my own personal uh, trauma and disappointment and experiences back in the early 90s, went through a very difficult divorce and uh, was stuck emotionally. I was prompted to go to counseling. Actually, I went to counseling only because I had to. I was threatened with loss of job if I didn't get some help. 
And uh, the counseling helped me so much that I said to my counselor, I want to help other women the way that you have helped me. And so that is what prompted mm. me to get my master's in counseling and to start Second Wind, which actually um, was my way of helping uh, Black women, women of color, yeah, because yeah. there's such a stigma in our community about counseling. And uh, so I did lots of things to try to educate women. And that's what I enjoy doing. The coaching came later. I was uh, at a residential treatment facility working as the program director and was getting burned out. Mm. And I went to a life coach at the time who really helped me. She helped me move to that next level. And so I know there are many women who um, have experienced or who are experiencing burnout, who want to do something next, do something different. They know they have more in them. They just don't know what to do. And that is how the coaching was uh, was born, both counseling and coaching out of my experience. And I would say growth, per great personal mm-hmm. growth from counseling and coaching. I love it. And you speak about Black women and particularly Black women of faith. I think it's important that we see people like you in this space because from your years of experience, what are some common obstacles that you feel Black women in particular face when it comes to being whole and becoming healed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there there are a lot of issues. Uh, I need a man. Uh, I'm not complete without children. Um, All I have to do is pray through it. you know, my pastor says that I need to be submissive and I'm trying to be, but it's not working mm. for me. Uh, I'm not crazy. Uh, I have one client now. She is doing so well, but she came with, um, I should be stronger than this. So coming to counseling means that I'm weak. There's something wrong with no. me. She She's the go-to or was yeah. the go-to person in her family. And um, she's she's she was broken from from a difficult relationship or actually a breakup. So, um, you know, there are a lot of things that we have as black women. There's a lot of weight that we carry. And then, you know, during the uh, Trayvon Martin from from Tra- well, historically, we have had the racial issues to deal with and microaggressions, macroaggressions. And, and so that's at, in, a, in addition to as a woman having mm-hmm. trying to hold stuff down and trying to excel and be excellent and to 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 do use the gifts that God has given us to to make good money and to take care of mm-hmm. our families. We also have that burden of the racist part of it. And so it is an honor for me to coach women through that and help them navigate it yeah. or counsel them through it. Uh, because it is it is real. It's a real struggle. <laughs> As you already yes, know. Yes, ma'am. You're doing you're you're right in it right now. So <laughs> Yes, the struggle is real. But it's also a struggle during the holidays. So let's yeah. talk about it. Uh yeah. particularly, you know, this is the time for holiday cheer, but for some not so much, dealing with heartbreak, loss, and grief. And I want to discuss that first because whether it's the loss of someone you love is fresh or the memories of what was, what are some keys for dealing with grief during this time of year? Girl, we have there this year more than last, I think we will feel that grief because last year we were all in a state of shock Oh yes. uh, from the pandemic. So the holidays are difficult just by themselves, but when you add the trauma and the collective trauma from the pandemic, and now this year's rolling around and uh, some of the shock has worn off and the realization that there are more people who I have lost either due mm-hmm. to COVID or due to natural um, 
situations. There are more divorces because of COVID. And so, you know, this is a really, I think this year is going to be a really uh, tough mm -hmm. year for a lot of people going through the holidays uh, because the pandemic has just added that extra measure of grief and loss and yes. loss to, to the table. Many, many losses, not only for, from uh, the loss of a person, but the loss of freedom, the loss of how things used to be, the loss mm -hmm. of the normal that we knew. Uh, the loss of uh, the security that we had moving around the world without masks, without hand sanitizer, that has changed. So there are um, many, many things for us to be aware of. And I think right now is a great time to have this convo because Thanksgiving is coming up, uh, the Christmas is coming up. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for people to accept and acknowledge how they're feeling. If they feel, like we say, a certain kind of way, it's good to put a label on what that feeling is. Okay. Is it melancholiness? Is it loneliness? Is it regret? Is it sadness due to your favorite auntie is no longer with us? And as Christians, we have, I think, more hope than most in that we hope that our loved ones are have transitioned to heaven and mm -hmm. that we'll see them again, but not not everybody has that. And so, it, you know, it's going to be, I think, a more difficult holiday than normal. Ooh, but girl, speaking of the church folks, they see you. Because sometimes Ooh. we mean well when we try to speak to someone, oh, they home with the Lord. Oh, they got the victory, yeah. the ultimate victory. That might be true in the biblical context and in our faith. But don't nobody want to hear that when yeah. they just lost someone. You get extra spiritual. You'd be like, okay, that's enough. Have several seats. So how do we <laughs> respond to people grieving instead of saying all the right catch, Christian catch church phrases? Yeah, I would say to acknowledge the feeling that the person in front of you is having. I see you miss your loved one. I see you're feeling a little bit sad. And just acknowledging the feeling. That's one thing that we have had to do Mm -hmm. as uh, as people of color, we have had to sublimate our feelings in order to survive. And that was our past. That doesn't necessarily serve us well in 2021. So when you're talking to a church friend and they mention that there is a loss, it could be the loss of a dog, loss of a job. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have lost their job. You know, it, it, you know, those those uh, uh those phrases to make people feel good just don't touch the pain. And so really it's, I think, better to say, you know, I know you, I imagine, not you, because you don't know how mm -hmm. they're feeling, but you can empathize, you can imagine, you know, if, if I were you, I'd be feeling X, Y, Z. And so I'm here for you. And that is probably the best message, Julie, is mm -hmm. I'm here for you. Um, is there anything I can do? Would you like to... Um, and you can invite it for those of you who have a gift of hospitality, invite them over for a card game because mm -hmm. that loneliness means that you're seeking connection. All right. Every, every negative emotion means that you're seeking something. And so if you're seeking connection, you can ask them, you know, over for, um, uh, a card game, or you could just be sure to call people more frequently. Hey, how you doing? Just call in and mm -hmm. check on you. I think those things better in 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 replacement of those Pollyannic yeah. uh, phrases of um, 
oh well just be just be grateful you know those yeah. don't always touch touch the, the pain yeah, you don't want to get cussed out by a church person because you don't make a mad child because you get on their nerves because you get on people's nerves with that. But as you talk about loss and you brought the other issues of loss, it could be the loss of something other than a life. It could be a health, a relationship, a job, a sense of normalcy. Do we make the mistake? Is it a mistake rather for people to sit in their grief? Do we need to just push through it or just really take our time and let it process no matter how still it makes us. Mm-hmm. That depends okay. on a lot of things. And I think what would be helpful for everybody is to journal, is to write down how you're feeling, write down why you feel the way you feel. I know people, not everybody likes to journal, but what journaling does, it first of all, it makes you reflect. It makes you be introspective. It makes mm-hmm. you think. It makes you think about how you're feeling and it makes you put words to your feelings. And that activity can help you to clarify what is going on with you. Instead of just feeling how you feel, you want to look at how you're feeling and see if there are other elements that need to come to your awareness. So as you start to journal and you make yourself um write, you know, figure out what words to put down and you write those words down. It might just be that you have to sit and move through these feelings because this loss is real. This is how you feel. This person or this opportunity is gone. Um, What you want to get to it to some point is acceptance, accepting Mm. what is, but that is a personal journey that everybody has to take. And it depends on a lot of other factors. I would say to give yourself some grace between now and the beginning of the new year, because the holidays make that pain even more pronounced, even more intense. So making sure that you are being healthy. So some indicators, um, Julie, are unhealthy behaviors, drinking too much, smoking too much, uh, you know, being too promiscuous, going out all the time instead of Um, and and trying to avoid the feelings, those are unhealthy behaviors that actually prolong the feeling. They have a short-term reward, but a long-term consequence, Mm. and they can bring other consequences as well. Oh, wow. And especially the point you made about not just ignoring it, because some of Mm. us are stuffers, and there's times where you don't want to sit in something. I always use the term sit in it, because I feel like there's times where I've avoided sitting in something and mm-hmm. like years later, something will tick you off and you look back, you're like, wait a minute. That's because I ignored it and I didn't sit in it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, well, that's exactly what happens. It's kind of like, I don't know the name of that game at the, uh, at the amusement park, but wait, but, but things pop up. And oh, whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole. Yeah. Whack-a-mole. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's exactly what happens when we don't deal with the emotion. It'll pop back up. And a lot of times, like you just said, it'll pop back up when you're unaware and you start scratching your head. Why did I respond like that? Why did I, you know, why did I snap off like that? It's because it's, it's that very reason it wasn't dealt with early on. And it's, it's hard to deal with your stuff. It mm-hmm. really is. It's painful, but it is more painful not to deal with it. Oh, now that right there, before I move on to my next subject, let's touch on that. How 
not dealing with something because I have people in my family that you don't ask them nothing. They're not going to talk about nothing. I love them, but you don't deal with it. How dangerous is that? And what does that do to us? You know, I think as black folks, as, as women or, and people of color, I think that has been a very damaging habit mm-hmm. that we stuff or that we ignore, we avoid. But you know what, Julie, it comes out. It comes mm-hmm. out. And um, it comes out in lots of different ways. So um, I have one client that, um, you know, she emotionally eats 300 pounds overweight, doesn't know why. Well, that's because she's using food to feel good in the moment, but eventually there's a consequence to that. And so um, the, the danger of not, of avoiding and keeping things at bay that are painful, number one, you don't, you don't build up your tolerance muscles, your emotional tolerance muscles, which is what will make you strong and keep you strong is the ability to endure difficult emotions and still move forward Mm. in a positive direction. So when you avoid and do unhealthy things, you number one, you actually end up weakening your tolerance muscle. And number two, whatever you go to, whatever your go-to behavior is to avoid normally has some negative consequences because um, it is an unhealthy behavior taken too far. You know, everything Mm -hmm. done in moderation is fine, but avoidance is when we tip the scale to too much uh, drinking, too much smoking, too, because that's what we're using as a coping mechanism and it's, it becomes unhealthy. And then we have health issues that that's why black folks have more high blood pressure, diabetes, um, and, uh, other health issues because we stuff Mm -hmm. our emotions instead of dealing with them. And, you know, growing up, you know, a lot of black people. Now, this is a very general statement. Not everybody got to keep stuff in the house. Don't talk about nothing going on, you know, or you have somebody in the family who's sick. You don't know why they never share, not knowing that genetically that could impact you. So we have mm-hmm. to be open and start talking. I love this. But speaking about family day, see ya. Family drama during the mm-hmm. holidays. I know last year was different. People could avoid it. Whether mm-hmm. it's the ex, the baby mama, baby daddy, cousin, a mama who's off the chain. We know no family is perfect. But some situations make it extra tough. So how does somebody who's dealing with family conflict prepare themselves to face their family because we're getting kind of back to normal right now. Yeah, yeah, that is a great question. I think the answer to that is to be strategic. Now is the time and today is the day to think about that same argument that your family has every year because Uncle Joe starts drinking too much and he brings something up. I remember years ago I had a client, uh, she was a teenager, And her issue was, I don't want to get into the middle of the fight this year. Every year, her mother and her auntie, mama's mama's sister, would everything would be fine Mm -hmm. until after dinner when they started drinking too much. And then mom and sister would get into a knockdown, drag out fist fight. And my client at the time, always Mm. felt the need to defend her mother. So she jumped in the fight and it was just on. It was on. And um, Mm. so we talked about 
what can you do when you see the fight coming, when you see those red flags, those you hear those bells, you see what's about to jump off? What can you do differently? And that's the thing, Julie, is what can you do differently this year that will help remove you from that situation so okay. that you're not a part of the family drama. If it happens the same every year, you know the red flags, you can see it coming. And so to be strategic, to figure out what do you want to do differently this year? Are you gonna go into the kitchen and start washing dishes? Are you gonna step outside onto the porch? Are you gonna say, hey, I gotta go run to the store, I'll be back. What are you gonna do differently to mm -hmm. remove yourself because removing yourself can actually change the whole dynamic of the of whatever the drama might be. Since we're talking about removing yourself in the situation, let me ask this. Is it ever uh, beneficial or okay to step back and just create total distance? Not even at the family dinner, you just pull back, uh-uh, I'm gonna be over here, goodbye, we ain't talking right now. I, I've known people to do that and that's just how they cope. But is that healthy or perhaps there are situations when it comes to personal safety, obviously. But is that the best solution when there's family conflict? Well, again, it depends. Okay. Because it depends on their role. You know, everybody in the family has a role, and it depends on their role in the family. So um, if they so, – so that's a hard question to answer, but mm -hmm. this is what I'll say. If you normally are the person who jumps in – to try to mediate, and that has been unsuccessful. I mean, it just adds to the conflict. If it, if whatever you do increases the conflict, then the suggestion is to do something different so that you are not part of the conflict or you have the likelihood of decreasing the conflict. Mm. So um, for the person who, who uses distance to manage conflict, that is their coping style. That's their coping mechanism. And a lot of it has to do with history of, mm -hmm. um, of that person and of the family. There are some people that I counsel with that I suggest step back because they have a toxic family and the family is hurtful to them. Being too close is hurtful to them. Mm -hmm. There's this poem I often recommend called Everybody Can't Be in Your Front Row. Oh. So it depends on the family dynamic. It, de it depends on that person's role in the family, whether stepping back is the best um, is the best solution or stepping in. It really depends on the kind of family that you're talking about. But the key is to reduce conflict because mm -hmm. we want the holidays to be as pleasant as they can be in spite of some of the other things going on. Gotcha. Uh, and so if you're able to accomplish that, then I think you're successful. <laughs> now, the person who does step away because it's just not a safe space for them to be around their family, and you know the whole family guilt, family is family, that can weigh on people. What would you say to that person who's either guilted into sticking around situations that aren't healthy or they're targeted in their family? And sometimes, you know, family can say some crazy stuff like, you just think you're too good, or you know, yeah. and it, that's not the case. I have to protect myself and my personal well-being. Well, again, I think it's about being strategic. And mm -hmm. um, 
If you find that you can tolerate your family members for an hour, two hours, 30 minutes, however long you can tolerate it until it starts going sour, okay, until mm -hmm. you start feeling judged or, um, um, you know, these other feelings that, that might come in, when you start to feel that, then that may be time to go. So we're not really talking about coming, we're not talking about a situation where you can eliminate a difficult feeling mm -hmm. because if you stay, then you're gonna feel a certain kind of way. You're gonna feel guilty. You're gonna feel uh, judged. You're gonna feel condemned. You're gonna, you know, however that family makes you yes. feel. If you leave, you're gonna feel a certain kind of way and they're gonna talk about you whether you stay or whether you go. So if you go, you are actually protecting yourself. Now, self-protection, you know, we all have a, an instinct to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we overly protect ourselves. So, you know, it's hard to make a generalization, but what I would say is this, if you find that your family members are, to you, they are toxic. You, you know, you don't have a good feeling after being with them for X amount of time then limit the amount of time. You can step away, you can run to the store, you can say, I'll see y'all tomorrow, I'll be back on Sunday. You know, you can manage yourself and you have a right. If you are a grown folk, and we talk mm. about grown woman stuff. Right, right. If you are a grown folk, you have that right to manage yourself and step away from a situation that is causing you some pain or turmoil. And that's the only thing we can manage, Dacia, ourselves. We can't manage other people. I always right. say we are not the Holy Spirit, so you cannot change people. But when it comes to conflict resolution and having dialogue, the issue of accountability, that just stands out in my mind because some people take accountability for finger pointing or ganging up on somebody. How do we hold people accountable? But isn't that hard if they don't see they did nothing wrong? <laughs> Yeah, well, like you started out with, whose behavior can you control? Your own. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to make somebody else be accountable because, again, that is outside of your hula hoop. Mm -hmm. That's outside of your realm of control. You can try to explain the situation from your point of view, but what has to happen is that other person has to have some empathy, put themselves in your shoes and say, oh, okay, I see your point of view. Now, here's my point of view. Now, of course, it's easy to talk about it now because we're not in conflict. But when you are in a difficult situation, stay with how you feel and stay with how, what your opinion is, because nobody can tell you how you feel. You mm -hmm. are sharing with them and they can't judge that. They can't criticize that because you are allowed to feel what you feel yes. and you are allowed to think the way that you think. Now, if you disagree with somebody, you can often say, I disagree. I don't agree with that and give your opinion on why, but uh, you can't make somebody else accountable and many, many people have gotten into this habit of um, not looking at themselves, not looking at their own behavior and how mm -hmm. it has influenced other people. But that's something that they have to want to do. You can't put it yeah. on them. And what would you say for those who practice different levels of codependency? We often think of codependency in cases of addiction. But no, you can be codependent and a contributor to the problems whether you're complicit or passive or, or baby someone, how do we get through that and recognize that in ourselves? 
You know what? I think counseling. I think counseling helps because, and I have a client right now, and that is her issue is codependency and people pleasing. And she has a hard time saying no to to people. So she ends up getting overwhelmed because everybody Mm -hmm. is putting their stuff on her. And she is in counseling for that very reason, because that that kind of behavior is ingrained in the way you think. It has to do with family dynamics and how you grew up. So it is not an easy task to pull pull that apart and develop a new habit. Reading books, there, there are a lot of good books on boundaries, healthy boundaries, mm-hmm. learning to say no, uh, learning to stop people pleasing, uh, learning to stop being codependent. You know, it really takes a lot of, of work internally and getting help from a counselor can actually speed up the process so that you can look at your behavior and become not comfortable, but tolerate the, the difficult feelings that you're going to have when you stop being codependent because other people are going to notice the change in your behavior and they're going to want to pull you back to the way that you always have been. What's wrong with you? You think you're too good. Oh, now you, you know, da, 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 da. But what you're trying to do is establish a new behavior pattern. And in order to do that, you you do need to have some help and support Mm -hmm. that you, because there's a period of time when it's very rocky, very uh, tumultuous, because moving to this new behavior is something that you haven't done and everybody around you is going to be like, what is wrong? What is going on? They're going to notice the change. Um, So it does take time and it it takes work, but it is absolutely possible. All right. About to get free up in here. I hope so. I'm trying to tell you before (laughs) uh, we wrap up the conversation, what are some holiday health tips as we talk about heartbreak, grief, drama, keeping everything in balance? What are some things that you would advise anybody during this season that can be definitely crazy, particularly as we approach a new year and all that? You know, I would say if you are a, a faith-filled person with, you know, whatever your faith is, to enlist your faith in getting through the holidays. And however that looks to you, that mm-hmm. may be having a meditation moment in the mornings. And I would highly recommend that for everybody to get your mind right in the mornings. And I certainly, if you could spare more than a moment, if you can spare 10 minutes or even 30 minutes to to contemplate, to journal, to pray, and to read some encouraging words, say some affirmations, I will get through this, because you will get through this. Um, I think that's very helpful starting off the day. Be kind to yourself. Um, drink lots of green tea. Green tea is healthy for you, has okay. very few calories. Um when you go for that glass of wine or that glass of uh, J&B or whatever, drink a glass of tea first, okay, to get your livers, you know, cleared out, get your bladders cleared out. Um, be strategic, not only in who you're going to be around, but how you're going to eat. We're going to have pies, mm-hmm. cakes, all kinds of sugar-laden and salt-laden foods coming your way yes. in next week. <laughs> so 
what is something that you can do to manage all of that? I mean, you know, it's going to be very tempting. So can you bring a vegetable tray so that you can snack on some veggies before you have the sweet potato pie? Can you bring a salad? I know it sounds corny, but being prepared and deciding in advance how you're going to deal with all of that holiday cheer. Um, one client of mine, she likes her wine. Hey, me too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what we have decided is for every glass of wine that she drinks, she's going to have a glass of water. Okay? okay. That helps. That helps to fill you up. It helps you not to overdrink. And it helps you to manage yourself so that you don't go into that, you know, drama that we talked about earlier. So those are some healthy tips. I've got more, but those are a few. <laughs> I, I, I love it. it and, and, and leave us with a gem on communication. You coach people. I know that you've spoken on communication. How important is it that we learn not just how to communicate with others, but even to ourselves? You know, Julie, it is about the story that you tell yourself. The mm. story that I'm telling myself is. And if we uh, start recognizing the story that we're telling ourselves. One of the things that I have committed this year, and I've been writing it in my journal just about every day, I will not be easily offended. I will easily forgive. I will let offenses roll off. And if you were to say those three affirmations every day, I will let offenses roll off. I will not be easily offended. I will easily forgive. That can help you get through the holiday season, because somebody's going to say something crazy, yep, something offensive. <laughs> and if you recognize, okay, the story I'm telling myself is I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not enough. And if you turn that story around to I am enough and I will not be easily offended, I will easily forgive. If you just have that mantra or some positive mantra yeah. in your head, and tell yourself that story that may help you navigate the holidays a little bit better. Yes, I appreciate talking to you, Dacia Moore. Gateway of Hope <laughs> Ministries, make sure you check it out on Facebook. In fact, Dacia, tell us all the ways folks can keep up with you. Well, you know what? I am going to be launching some new stuff in uh, in 2022. I'd love for you to go to my Facebook page, awesome. Dacia Moore. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, friend me because that's what I'm going to be putting out um, in terms of the free workshops and the other things that I'm going to be doing in 2022. So you can find me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, uh, Dacia Moore, D-A-C-I-A Moore, and I'd be happy to, to get connected with you. I love Dacia, her heart for women. You know, life isn't easy for any of us. And as we struggle with heartbreak, disappointment, our confidence can be shaken. We may need coaching to help us get on the right path. For some of us, a big obstacle in our life is self-forgiveness or letting go of offenses from others. No matter what the case, this holiday season, let's be intentional about choosing differently, choosing our well-being over meeting the need of everyone else, the drama around us. And as we may sit in our heartbreak or grief, let us find a way to be encouraged, to be coachable, 
so we can still enjoy our lives during this season and the seasons to come. Like they see us said, we got to be strategic in the midst of conflict, holding firm to our truth, but knowing when to back out of a situation. Because sometimes you got to see the mess come and check up the deuces and be like, I am out. I love. Check out they see you more on Facebook as well as the Gateway of Hope Ministries Facebook page. Our mental health matters all the time, but this time of year, we can be extremely tender. So let's handle ourselves with care because we need and deserve it. Have a happy Thanksgiving, sis, and we'll do it again next week. And don't forget, you can listen to me weekdays, 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. on KPRS Hot 103 Jams and at kprs.com. Music Alpha Music Library, Property Carter Broadcast Group.